Hello and welcome to SouthPod. So regrettably, we're continuing to experience severe pressure on our hospital beds due to increasing numbers of COVID patients being admitted. And our staff are working hard to discharge patients who are well enough as, as quickly as possible. But why is this happening again, especially as restrictions in our communities are, are easing so much? So we're joined today by our Deputy Medical Director, Dr. Damien Gormley. Damien, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Ruth. Why is this happening again? Why are we facing so much pressure on our wards? Ruth, I suppose um, the pattern of COVID admissions throughout the pandemic has followed a very, very predictable pattern. Um, and maybe it's as easy for me to show you that on a, on a graph as it is to just uh, talk about it. So what we know throughout the pandemic is that community transmission impacts on hospital attendances, which then impacts on hospital admissions. And this is really our full pandemic right back to the start of April 2020. The purple line at, at the top is the Northern Ireland positive rate uh, per 100,000 of the population. And the blue line is looking specifically at the Southern Trust local government districts and councils. Mm -hmm. And what we see is that as the purple line increases, we then see underneath this in the green line, hospital admissions follow thereafter. So what we saw in surge one was an increase in community transmission hospital numbers increasing to a point where we were getting 10 to 12 admissions per day. And we had a peak 62 people in hospital at that stage. And then as we got into surge two and three, again, we see these very high community transmission rates, driving hospital admissions. We had a little bit of respite, but never got back to baseline. And then we had the huge surge that happened around Christmas and the early part of New Year. Restrictions obviously then were put in, we went into lockdown, et cetera. We had a very, very successful vaccination program starting and we drove down community transmission. And as we drove down community transmission, we drove down uh, hospital attendances and hospital admissions. But then if I go into what you're seeing now, which is really going into the more recent uh, period of time, you'll see that uh, things have changed a little bit in terms of both hospital attendances, community transmission uh, as well. So I'm just going to home in on this little section here, which is really the period of time uh, in May and it leading into June, July and over the summertime. So again, purple community transmission rate. We've seen a very, very high rate, thankfully not quite as high as before, but still a rate of over 500 and the Southern Trust following a similar trend. And then if we home into hospital admissions and hospital uh, uh, occupancy, we see again a very similar pattern of this escalation in hospital admissions. 12 to 15 admissions per day and hospital occupancy then cranking up along with that as well. So we've seen the same pattern. Nothing that we're seeing here is surprising. It's all driven by who within our community gets infected because for every 100 people that get infected, there's a predictable number of people who end up getting very sick, a predictable number who end up in hospital. Smaller numbers obviously end up in intensive care and, and very regrettably some people who do not survive. I think it's, it makes it very clear and very stark when you, you show us this, Damien, and our staff then are in the position where they're trying to keep um, the flow of patients through the hospital and they're having to, to make those difficult decisions around discharge. How are they doing that safely and quickly? Well, I, 
I always try to approach it from the patient who we're looking after's point of view. And every piece of research that's ever been done in medicine has shown us that prolonged hospital stays result in poor outcomes. So there is no doubt that if you're unwell and you're sick and you need to be in hospital, that's a good place to be. However, once you point past the point of needing to be in hospital before, then you, all you're doing is exposing yourselves to the known risks of being in hospital. And that's particularly a problem for our frailer, older people, and particularly a problem if you've just recovered from an illness, you then become very prone to the things that we do our best to were just happening in hospital, but it still happen. Things like hospital acquired infections, confusion that happens in our older people, falls, et cetera. So I always ask myself the question, is it in this patient's best interest to remain in hospital? And if the answer to that question is no, then I must do utmost within my control to make sure that that person is discharged from hospital in as safe and a timely way as possible. I also then refer the responsibility to those patients who I'm not seeing right in front of me as well. I do have a responsibility to ensure that we manage our beds as efficiently as possible. So I can't sit there and make a recommendation that somebody who doesn't need to be in hospital when it's not in their best interest to remain in hospital should do so perhaps to the detriment of somebody else who might need either emergency medical treatment, emergency surgical treatment or life-saving surgical treatment um, who needs a bed as well. And, and how can patients or relatives help us with this? I think we always need to be thinking about discharge almost as soon as we come into hospital. The vast majority of older patients that I want, I meet, don't want to be in hospital. They want to get out of hospital as soon as possible. So we need to be thinking about our discharge arrangements as soon as the uh, person comes into hospital. And we need to start making those care plans very early for our older people. But we also probably do need a help and support from our community. We, we ask for families all the time to help to support discharges as well, safe in the knowledge that a discharge home is often the safest and best environment for an older person. So it is a combination between what the professionals within the healthcare service can do by thinking about discharge early, planning safe discharges with the support of both our community teams and our community as a whole as well, Ruth. And if we try to maintain this flow and we do we are able to achieve that we've been hearing so much for the past couple of weeks uh, you know the, the very difficult stories about patients who have had their surgeries cancelled right across northern ireland does this help us keep surgery and elective surgery going it, it definitely does so there are many things that require somebody to have an operation there's obviously having the staff there to do the surgery there's all the support staff including the critically important nurses that are there as well and theatre space, etc. Et but one of the other dependencies is often a hospital bed, particularly for complex surgery. Sometimes that might need to be a, an intensive care bed as well. So if there is not access to that, then that can often be the difference between somebody getting a surgery and not getting a surgery. At other times in the pandemic where we saw COVID at a much higher level, we had to redeploy staff. So it was no longer at that stage just about a bed. It was about all of the other things. Currently, as we sit, it's mostly about do we have a bed for this patient to manage it and a bed that meets the needs of that patient as well. So, Damien, what about the vaccine in all of this? Of, of the patients that are coming in now, some of them will have had the vaccine, some of them won't. Are we seeing any difference in terms of the severity of their illness? 
We do. You know, I, I've spoken to my respiratory colleagues and those who are, are more frontline than I am, Ruth, and, and they have relayed to me some of their experiences within this as well. So we have definitely seen a very, very significant shift in the type of person that's come through. Most obvious one of that is the age profile of the patient that's coming through. So in, in surges one, two and three, it was often older individuals who hadn't any immunity at that stage you were very susceptible to the condition but we've seen a very significant shift to a much younger population that has come in now and undoubtedly from speaking to my colleagues there are some people who come in who have had the vaccine who are getting covid however most of those patients are either not very unwell or sometimes are coming in and COVID is just a coincidental finding. So they may come in having suffered a fall perhaps and broken their hip. They are swabbed at the point of admission and found to have COVID but are asymptomatic. However, unfortunately, the, the vast majority of people who are in our hospital who are sick, including those individuals who are within intensive care, the vast majority have not received the vaccine. So what would your message be to younger people now who maybe haven't had vaccine what do they need to do? I can always understand people's right to question and, and so they should I'm an inquisitive person myself and, and the first thing I always ask myself is am I likely to be at more risk by getting this vaccine or not getting the vaccine? To me as a, a doctor this is one of the simplest questions that we ask in that for the vast vast majority of people the risks associated with the vaccine are tiny the risks associated with getting COVID although smaller when you're younger, can still be really, really significant, including life-threatening. So I would have no hesitation in endorsing the recommendations that I've made before about all of those people who are currently eligible for the vaccine to get it and to get it as soon as possible. It will protect you. It may protect the vulnerable people around you as well. And if you do get COVID, it will most, more likely than not make that illness much milder and make it much less likely for you to get really unwell and ultimately to suffer from long-term complications or even ultimately not to survive. Dr. Damien Gormley, thank you very much. Thank you, Ruth.